Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Shoot Hoops podcast. I'm your host, Adam Brazel. Today, I am joined by Coach Livingston, Coach Trey Livingston of Hampton Sydney College. He's been a coach here for one year now. Um, Trey, thanks for joining the podcast. Adam, man, thanks for having me, man. It's, we've been trying to do this for a while now, but um, I'm glad to be on, man. Excited to be here. Yes, we have. We've been at uh, trying to fix the time up for a while now, and um, I actually decided something for, for everybody listening. I'll be releasing episodes every Sunday, um, pretty much from here on out. So I'm glad that Coach Liv can kind of uh, get me back on track with that. And um, I hope you guys tune in every Sunday for another episode of Shoot Hoops. No doubt. Um, so, Coach Livingston, can you just tell um, me and the listeners, um, I guess, to introduce yourself a little bit and then talk a little bit about your basketball journey, how mm-hmm. you ended up where you are and kind of where you started? All right. Well, I mean, okay. I mean, as you've introduced, um, my name is Trey Livingston. I'm from, uh, I was born in Tallahassee, Florida, but I moved to uh, Madison County, Florida. It's a small town about 30 minutes west of Tallahassee. And um, I started playing basketball when I was seven, six or seven. And I was a big football guy before the end. But I, once I started playing basketball, it kind of like just took over, I would say. Um, I actually got cut from my middle school teams my sixth and seventh grade year. And I didn't make I didn't make the middle school team until I was in eighth grade, um, and I I started that year ended up being a leading scorer that year as well. Um, went into my ninth grade year, played a year of JV, and um, I was a varsity player for three years. Uh, was named team captain my eleventh and twelfth grade year. Mm, my eleventh grade year was our was my high school's first time reaching the playoffs in about. Maybe I want to say about five years. So we had we had a pretty decent team, and um, we also went back to the playoffs my senior year. So uh, I got I was getting re- recruited a lot, man, by a couple of schools, but ultimately I decided to attend Huntington College up in Montgomery, Alabama, Division three school, and uh, it felt like home, which is which ultimately made me choose Huntington, and I definitely enjoyed my time there, uh, and that's when I met uh a guy named Caleb Kimbrough who came in and took over uh, my – he was the coach in waiting my sophomore year, and he ultimately took over my junior year, and he helped change things there, man. We, like I said, kind of similar to my high school journey. We hadn't reached the conference tournament for about four or five years, and we reached the conference tournament my my senior year, uh, 2018-2019 year, and – uh, I was a team captain there for three years, from 2016 2019, which I which I take a lot of pride in, and um, which ultimately led me to uh, want to be a coach, leading leading a group of 17, 18, 19 year old guys at college, in college. Man, just maybe be like I I know I can lead a a a, a group of 17, 18 year olds with the reins. So it ultimately made me want to coach, and um, after I graduated, hundred and from Huntington College, I uh, went up to Oregon, Eugene, Oregon, coached at this place called uh, United States Basketball Academy for a year. And um, pre-COVID, and uh, came back home for about two to three months. And uh, that's when I actually got hired to uh, at a prep school down in Winter Haven, Florida, 
by the name of Advanced Prep Academy. And Coach Kimbrough called me up maybe a couple months after that season was over, man, and, and asked me to join the staff. So I just finished up my first year at Hamilton Sydney, man, and I couldn't be more happy where I'm at right now. Yeah, I love to hear all that. So would you say that your love for basketball kind of began in middle school? I would definitely say before middle school, man. I when I was seven seven years old, I maybe was maybe was in like the fourth fifth grade and playing a little rec league ball, and I and I feel like I got pretty good. So I would say around yeah, kind of like late elementary, fourth fifth grade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, working at those those prep schools um, down in Florida and in in Oregon, you know, what were those experiences like? I mean, man, honestly, I think those experiences made me, like, who I am today, coach, like, as a coach, because, like, it's it's a different grind than high school and, and college basketball, I would say. Even though college is kind of, like, the next level, but prep, man, it's more like of, of a grind. Like, you're trying to get guys to come play for you without, like, as much scholarship money, as nice facilities and things like that. So, I would say it's more of a grind than anything. Really? Yeah. Um, did you develop a lot of your training abilities while you were at those prep schools? Um, yeah, I could I, I could take credit for, I partially, but um, I say most of my training came from just working with like a lot of youth like youth leagues from in my hometown. My high school coach who runs like a bunch of youth leagues for our, for the kids back home. Uh, he just brought me in well yeah he kind of like yeah brought me in and was like hey man do you you want to help me with this and that and just helping those young kids and then you got like high schoolers who are like hey coach can I can I work out with you and it's kind of went from there I would say in that aspect just learning as I went and seeing how guys played and learning what fits people really what what made the training take off yeah because I've seen you work out guys like Quez and Hub and Nishan on our team and you really, you really know what you're talking about, especially uh, in terms of game-like moves and shots. You, you put these guys through workouts that, that test their bodies but also test their minds. And so I have a lot of respect for you as a trainer. Um, so I was just, uh, you know, like with, uh, with your training ability, um, would you say that you were, um, let's say like a, would you were you focused on being a trainer or were you more like focused on being a coach when you came out of college out of Huntington? Um, yeah, I definitely was more focused on being a coach. The training thing just really, man, like just happened while I was up in Oregon because it, it was working out with those guys that really made me like. I mean, of course, skill development is a big part of the game today. So right. it's just like it's just like training with those guys really made me like take aim until like something that I really felt like I was good at and something that I wanted to take take reins of myself. So that made me start uh, – I got Next Basketball Development and Training, which I started in uh, January of 2020. And, yeah, man, it kind of took off. And it, it, and I've, I need to get back into it heavily. But, like you said, it, it kind of takes off in that way because, like I said, skill development is a big part of, of the game and – I, I really try to keep it simple, Adam. And, like, when I say simple, I mean, like you said, game-like shots. And I, I really take a deep focus on what guys are currently good at. Like, what are right. what are their go-to moves? What do they like to do? What type of shots they take? 
and I think that ultimately that's a big that's a big part of it. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. So as you mentioned earlier, um, Huntington was where you met Coach Kimbrough. Um, mm-hmm. For those listening, Coach Kimbrough is a guest on episode three of the Shoot Hoops podcast. He is the head coach in Hampton, Sydney, where I currently play and where Coach Liv currently coaches. Um, so a lot of the team wants to know, you know, what was it like playing for Kimbrough versus <laughs> now coaching with him? Mm-hmm. Um, because I'll say this. When we do play pickup with both of you guys or when you guys are playing Kings, I mean, we know how heated it can get between you two. You guys <laughs> you guys are both really, really good hoopers, and you both are really competitive. And you guys don't hold back on the physicality, the trash talk, any of that. Um, but, you know, that aside, <laughs> let's, let's talk about playing for Kimbrough and then, you know, now coaching with him. Yeah, man. <laughs> It's funny because I mean, Coach Kilbro, man, he's he's the ultimate competitor. Like I, yeah, like I, I could, I catch myself sometimes, but he is the is the ultimate competitor. But I mean, ultimately, I think that's, I think that's what made us click. Mm-hmm. At, uh, during our time at Huntington, um, playing with Coach Kimbro, playing for Coach Kimbro, man, is, I mean, it was you you get a little taste of it, Adam. I mean, I do. Yeah, he's. But I think it was by ten for the simple <laughs> fact of, for the simple fact that we had we had thirty guys we had to bring in thirty guys so he was really trying to reap out who was who was going to be there who was going to be bought into what he was teaching and 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 that and that sort of thing so but as time went along man he he seen that I wasn't going nowhere like this I wanted to win just as much as he did and so. When we figured out that we had that mutual aspect of it, it was like, well, let's roll that man. And I mean, I could, it's been plenty of conversations that me and Coach Cave have had. And it's just like, we both want to win, man. That's that's the biggest part of it. And during that time, we just built a relationship to where I know I could trust him and I know he could trust me. And so playing for Kim, bro, was definitely, I would say, one of my best experiences as a basketball player because. He just made me view things through like a different lens. Like I thought I was a, I, I of course, I mean everyone thinks they're a good basketball player, but I thought I was a, a good basketball player. But he saw something in me was like, nah, you could you could be this instead of just a good basketball player, right? And so I think that's just what me, what made me like really buy in and into what he was teaching, into what he was saying, and of course building that relationship as a whole. Yeah. I mean, relationships are really the game. That's part of why I've started this podcast is because, you know, like when you get to see how connected people are from the game, you start right. to realize that it's just it's more than really a game. Like it's it's life, you know. Exactly. Um, but but like what was it like coaching? Because you're you know, you're a college coach for the first time this past season. Mm-hmm. Like, What was that like? Um, I guess, you know, maybe what you thought it would be like versus what it actually was. You know, just give some insight on what it's like to be a first-year college coach. For, man, I would, <laughs> I would most definitely say it's, it's definitely challenging, man. Like, you you definitely – you come in thinking that you know a lot, but then again, it's like you have so much more to learn. Mm-hmm. And I would say, like, being a first-year college coach this year was definitely, like, my mind changed from, all right, I got to come in and work to, like, no, you have to come in here and learn. So it's just yeah. like 
yeah, you can be, you can recruit, but it's so much more beyond that that you have to like just get in touch with as a as a first year coach. Have to learn from like Coach Kimbrough, Coach Gibson, guys that like assistant coaches that you that you played for. Like everybody does it a little different, but ultimately you just have to find like what fits you and get organized and roll with that. I would say, hundred percent. I think. I think the managers dealt with that this year is this whole idea of like, I know stuff, but then they step on foot or they step on campus and they're like, man, I'm just yeah. here to learn this first year. Like, exactly. I'm just, you know, um, but, uh, you know, like what, uh, what, what are some specific things that you take away from this season as a coach or like just as our team in general that you're like, okay, I've learned this now so that next year when this happens, like, I understand, you know, I've, I learned from this. Now we, we do this instead. Right. Um, a couple of things I would say is definitely got to, I mean, just the down, just across the board, definitely have to be more like organized. I would say like you, you think you're organized, but to really be tip, like be on it and, and above organized, you just have to take that extra leap. Like you just have to take that extra step in and doing whatever you're doing. And um, don't take nothing for granted, man. I would say, like, I would say throughout the year, uh, yeah, we like we we went on our, our six-game win streak and things like that. But um, it was like we just can't take any game for granted. Because, I mean, I say that because thinking back to 2019 when, when COVID, COVID broke out, it was just like, basketball was taken from a lot of people Mm -hmm. and so i would say just don't take the game for granted man i know just thinking back like i said back to covid just you can't take the game for granted because it can be taken from you at any time so we just got to go in with the mindset of like what what and coach kimbrough is a big preacher it is and i i 100 agree with it it's just like be thankful for what we're doing because like like I just said, have to reiterate it. It can be taken at any time. So that that was my thing throughout the year. Like I woke up with the mindset of like, man, I get to go in here and coach basketball, the thing that I love the most every day. I get to yeah. go in here. I get to go in here with a great group of guys who love the game, who want to win, who want to work, and help lead them to to oh that championship, ultimately a national championship. Like that's the type of thing that I would say for the most part I've I've taken from this year. Yeah, I like both of those things. Um I think as a you know, playing my first full college season this year, one of the main takeaways I had was definitely just you can't underestimate the importance of each game, especially exactly. conference games, but just each game. You know, it's like because ultimately affects it affects how the rest of your season goes as far as tournament seeding um you know, what time you play at the tournaments and uh, momentum throughout the year. Exactly. Like it, it, you know, it affects everything. And so, you know, like the few games that we dropped that were, you know, close ones where we really had it and then we didn't. And, you know, you could see our inexperience maybe caught up with us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're, you're just learning. Like for me next year, I know for a fact that like I'm going to express to the team that like these games are – like each game really is a championship. We need right. every single game. We need exactly. them. It's not a matter of like, oh, you want to win. It's like, no, we have to have this. We need this win. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like the subtle differences of, you know, you know, sometimes you do take the game for granted. Right. And I think we were all guilty of that prior to COVID um, to some extent because we didn't foresee a pandemic taking away the game um, as we that. knew it, you know. Exactly. So exactly. those are those are really good, good points there. Um, so more as a as a college coach, again, um, you said, I mean, you've been recruiting at the prep schools. Mm-hmm. Now you've been recruiting here. You've been recruiting in uh, Virginia, North Carolina, Tennessee, maybe Georgia, maybe. Yeah, I mean, Georgia, the DMV a lot, mm-hmm. places like that. So can you give advice to potential high school players listening to this? Um, a, a few different pieces of advice. So like if you're a high school player, like what do what should they focus on right now in order to get recruited to play at the next level? Okay. Maybe talk a little bit about like what you look for in players and then, you know, just give advice to a guy like what is a college coach in general? What do they want to see out of a player in high school? Right. I mean, of course, it's, it's, it's definitely the basics. Like, of course, I mean, everyone has their different recruiting pitches and what they're looking for. But, of course, like, definitely want a guy who has great grades, great personality, and things of that sort. Like, I, I'm pretty sure – well, I, I, would, I wouldn't hope a coach wouldn't want a guy that comes in with a bad attitude and, and things like that. But I would say me, personally, like, when I go out to recruit, I definitely look for a guy that's – active and when i say active i mean communicating with his teammates he's up on the bench he's talking even if he's talking to the ref he's going to the ref trying to tell <laughs> what he's what he's did wrong like i i, I kind of like those things because it tells me that he's in tune with the game he knows what's going on he wants to get better like is that that to me alone like i said lets me know that he's there mm-hmm. and ultimately like I, i'm a big teammate guy like team first so if he's active with the team doing what he needs to do in his role, then that's already a plus for me. Of course, we want to recruit guys who are talented. I mean, it's a lot of talented kids out there, but it's a lot of kids that don't have the small things. And when I say the small things, it's the things that I just named, communicating, talking to your coach, talking to your teammates, high fives, being the loudest on the bench. Those are things that are just high-character guys, I would say. That's that's a really good answer, and it's pretty evident, I think, that that is what we look for at Hampton-Sydney, and really just, like, across the board at, like, good colleges, at, at schools that have good programs, mm-hmm. they don't want to bring in guys that aren't high energy, um, that aren't coachable, uh, anything along those lines, but right. uh, I, I've, I've talked to some other coaches about what they look for, um, you know, Coach Gibson, Coach Kimbrough my high school coach um, and something they named is can this player guard his yard? Right. So, like, um, you know, like, cause why would you want to guard it? Why would you want to recruit a kid that can't guard the other players in the conference that you're recruiting him to play in? Exactly. Um, could you speak to the importance of, of defense for, for high school players that maybe are too offensive minded, maybe a little bit like I was in high school. Oh, a hundred percent. I, I would definitely say, me personally, I'm a defensive-minded coach because I uh, during my time in college, like coming out of high school, I was, like you said, I was more like you, like definitely like offensive-minded. I wanted to score the ball, but my freshman year of college and sophomore year, I kind of was like, 
you know, I really, I really can lock up. Like that's, that's something that I really got good at. So, but to hit on your point of expressing how important it is, how, how important defense is to high school is defense wins games, man. And ultimately that's, that's what every program wants to do. So like, if you can't guard, like you said, your yard, then you gotta be maybe ridiculously special offensively. Yeah. Because I'm a big fan of if you can't guard, you can't play. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I could just leave it at that. If you can't guard your yard, then ultimately you're not you're not going to play as much as you want to play. Right. So, and uh, another thing that I feel like goes into guarding your yard is rebounding the ball. If you can't guard your yard and rebound the ball, then it's – your time seeing the floor is going to be very hard. Absolutely. I'll just say this, um, in addition to the, the guard your yard, which just means be able to guard who you're guarding, and then second of all, rebounding, is like those things, for the most part, are so controllable. Like those are really within your controls. Is like do you, do you check to see that your man is going to crash the glass or not before you look at the rebound? Do you – Exactly. Create contact with your with the person you're guarding before you crash. Are you giving a physical block out? Are you crashing hard? Are you rebounding with two hands? Do you come down strong with the ball? Like that is a rebound, and none of that really takes talent or um, any any kind of like God given ability. Like yeah, it helps to be six ten, um, you know, or really bouncy. Like it really helps, but you know, I mean, I think we had. I mean, I averaged like three rebounds a game this year, and there's really nothing that I do that gives me an advantage on defense, especially with rebounding. Right. Uh, so I felt pretty good about that. Another, like defensively, if you know the scout, which is a huge thing that maybe high schools don't focus on as much as colleges do, <laughs> the scout, you got to know who you're guarding. You got to know everybody that might come in the game. What do they like to do? Right-handed, left-handed. Mm-hmm. Can they shoot or are they looking to set up other guys? Are they looking to draw fouls? Do they shot fake? Are they, you know, what are their tendencies? So know that that is completely controllable. It's like, do you study this on the bus ride? That is right. controllable. So like high school players know that defense is controllable. Know that taking a charge is not something that requires talent. Communicating, communicating is such a big part on defense and that does not take any talent. hundred percent. So any 100%. high school players listening to this conversation between a college player and a college coach and you want to play college basketball, just please understand that guarding your yard and rebounding are two things that college coaches are going to look for. And they, yeah. you need to be able to do them if you want to play in college. Right. And I will say, like, you, you kind of expressed it, but I'll just sum it up. Defense and rebounding, Adam, is 100% effort. I would say, like you don't have to be the quickest, you don't have to be the fastest. I know coming out of high school, my I'm te- you can ask anybody from my hometown. I my I had so I had slow feet, so it was like my defense wasn't nowhere as near as it should have been going into my freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. But I knew that's something that I needed to work on if I wanted to see the floor. So right. I worked on it. But ultimately, when it comes down to it. It is a hundred percent effort. Is how bad do you not want this man in front of you to score? I yep. would say, 
or is how bad you don't want this man to go get this rebound. So yeah. for the most part, I would say you don't have to be the quickest. You don't have to be the fastest. But if you go out there and give max effort, then your max effort will cover up some of those mistakes that you make along the way. That's exactly right. Um, so high school players, I hope you guys are listening to that. Um, we're going to move into a different uh, a different talking point now where we, we talk about Coach Liv's all-time list of NBA players. So, Ooh. you know, just I can go first if you want, if you need a minute to think. Uh, if you don't, go ahead and fire like five to ten players at me that are your greatest players ever. Ah, uh, okay. I could I could definitely fire some that I that I that I personally like. I'm there. I'm a big LeBron James fan. Okay. So LeBron is definitely going to be number one on my list. Michael Jordan, of course. Kobe Bryant, uh, Magic Johnson. I'm a big Rajon Rondo fan. Big John Stockton fan. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Those guys are not top ten though. Yeah, no, they're definitely not top ten. But I'm just like you said. I'm just giving you my personal favorites. I would okay, say. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Right. Um. Steph Curry has definitely grown on me a lot. Steph Curry is a crazy player. Uh, Kevin Durant. Um, of course, I'm a big Shaq fan. He's I feel like he's probably the most dominant player to ever play the game. Possible. Yep. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, he's definitely – his stock is rising as probably one of the most dominant players to play the game. Um – D Wade is uh, is one of my favorite players, I would say. And I think I think that sums it up, man. That I can think of right off the top of my head. All right. Well let's let's get into like your top ten greatest though, in your mind. Oh, okay. Top ten greatest. Um LeBron James, that's one. Okay. Michael Jordan, that's two. Kobe Bryant. That's three. No order now. No order. I'm just. Well, you said one, two, and three. Okay, so you want it in order. Do you want? Yeah, it in order? yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Ah, um, you not hurt my feelings. All right. LeBron James is number one. All right. Michael Jordan is number two. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar may be number three. Okay. Kobe Bryant is fourth. Um, this is hard. <laughs> Kobe Bryant is, is fourth. Magic Johnson is five. All right. Mm, oh, this is so tough. Larry Bird is sixth. Um. Oh, this is tough. This Tell you might... what, I'm just I'm just gonna stop you right there because <laughs> we have the same top six. Really? In a different order, but the same top six. Okay. Okay. Um. And basically, what I was trying to get at by even asking you this wasn't even really to pick your brain, but just to talk about the disrespect to Kobe Bryant lately is getting out of hand. Yeah, I've been seeing it too, man, and. I agree it is out of hand. It's completely out of hand, in my opinion. For the listeners wondering, so Coach Lib just said LeBron, MJ, Kareem, Kobe, Magic, Bird as his top six. 
my top six are pretty similar. I got MJ, LeBron, Kareem, and then really Kobe, Magic, Bird goes in like any order. Right. But I typically go Kobe, Bird, Magic. Um, mm-hmm. So it doesn't really matter to me. But, yeah. Um, the, fact, the fact of the matter, though, is, is that Kobe Bryant is a top six player of all time. A hundred percent. And I'm just not really sure where the disconnect is for – for people that all of a sudden like to act like he's overrated or that he was like that he's suddenly uh, getting more appreciation after he died. Like all my life, I remember him getting comparisons to like Magic and Michael and LeBron. Like he was always in that conversation. I'm, right. I'm just confused when it happened where people were like, nah, Kobe's not even top 10. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I would. Um, yeah, yeah, I would say, man, I <clears throat> I recently saw the NBA's or somebody posted like a top seventy-five team, and they had Kobe ranked like tenth or eleventh. And like you said, I really don't know where that disconnect happened because at the time, people were saying Kobe Bryant was the greatest player ever. Yeah. So, so the disconnect from greatest player ever to Barely top ten, in my opinion, is pure disrespect. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I don't know why. I don't. I just don't know why people like to act like um, like it's not close either. Like if you want to say, um, you know, Kobe's not, he's not top three all time, or he's not top five, and it's not close. I just don't know like where that comes from because, in through my eyes. Kobe Bryant is one of the greatest scorers ever. He's one of – he's probably the hardest worker ever. Mm-hmm. He's a fantastic leader. He's somebody that's obsessive about his craft. And very importantly, his longevity was great and his defense. Right. He was, he was arguably the greatest defensive guard in the history of the game. He, he had 15 – all defensive teams. Right. Nine, I think nine first team all defense, which is the most ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you, you know, I just don't, I don't know what people value anymore. Um, but he was, you know, Shaq was 1A and he was 1B on those, on three Laker title teams, right? Right. So you got that. Then you got, you got Shaq leaving, right? They have their big debacle, and Shaq leaves, and Shaq wins a title soon after. Kobe takes right. him a while. He gets a scoring title, and then he wins two more, though. Mm-hmm. And so that, to me, was like, okay, I think Kobe is better than Shaq because, you know, they won three together where it was like a Steph KD kind of thing. Right. Um, and, you know, the ball did not go to Shaq down the stretch. No, 100%. If, I mean, like, this is my this is my problem is that that people when they say these things, it's not like they've actually watched any of the games. Like, you can you can just look them up. Game game four, game three, two thousand finals. Like, right. You can go look that up and see who's who had the ball with four minutes left until the closing seconds, and who who shoots the free throws. Who do you want with the ball in their hands when the when the clock's running mm-hmm. down? Right. Games on the line. Who do you want guarding the other team's best player? It's Kobe Bryant. 100%. I agree. So, and, one, 
and one yeah. thing I will say is, say just to add is Kobe Bryant also may be the greatest competitor that the game has ever seen. He very well could be. Like I, I mean Matt now no now Michael Jordan is definitely in that category. Yep. But during my time, yeah, I I I wasn't able to watch Michael as much, but Kobe. That's what. That's one of the main reasons why I say Kobe Bryant is definitely a top five NBA player of all time is because he competes. And like you say, on both sides of the ball, he competes. And we all know how much, how great of a scorer Kobe was, but to be locked in in the moments that he was locked in to take the big shots, to lock down the best player, like that is competing. And I think for like, ultimately for me, that's, that's, that, that in itself is like, you have set your like you have set your hand in top five greatest players of all time. On top of you having multiple championships, MVPs, and things like that, like that in itself for me is what does it. Yeah, I love that you brought up that whole competitor thing because he he is the greatest competitor. And when you get to a certain level, that level being not just the NBA but superstar, all-time great NBA players. Mm-hmm. You have to look at who was the better competitor, who wanted it more. Because that, at the end of the day, is the separator. That is what separates the greats from the greatest and, like, the five greatest ever. Mm-hmm. Um, Magic called Kobe the greatest Laker ever. He I is. not hold any weight. Exactly. I'm not sure. So and and another question that can be posed is, how is the greatest player ever of the greatest franchise ever is not a part of the yeah. top five players of all time? Absolutely, that's a great point. Yeah, um, I mean, here I'll give you some common arguments. I hear I hear that you know, Kobe Kobe was a bully. I hear that Kobe. You know, the, the Kobe fans are so in love with Kobe that their takes are biased. I hear um, that Kobe wasn't like a, a good leader in the sense of like a Bill Russell magic type of right. leader. But I listened to a, uh, a Bill Simmons podcast suggested, recommended by our manager, Peyton. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and Bill talks about how Kobe Bryant read Bill Russell's book on leadership. After the 2008 finals, which is when Kobe and the, and the Lakers lost to the Celtics. Right. And um, so, so Kobe reads that book and he understands like that everybody has a different type of leadership. A hundred percent. And so what had been going through Kobe's mind during the 07, 08 season was I'm going to be everybody's friend. I'm going to be nice to everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to uplift everybody because that's how that's how it worked for Magic. So I'm going to try to be like Magic because the last few seasons haven't been going my way. So I'm going to change. All right, so he acts like Magic. And what Magic did work for him, so there's no, no hate there. But right. when Kobe tried to lead like Magic, they got bullied in the finals and they lost. And they got sick. They got out-physicaled, out-rebounded, like bullied. All right, so then the next year comes and – he reads Bill Russell's book where he explains other types of leadership. Um, and 
Kobe essentially understands like I have to create my own. And so what he does is he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to bring out the beast in my teammates. Exactly. I'm going to, I'm going to bring out the worst in you until I bring out the best in you. So mm-hmm. it's like, I'm going to be on your ass until you eventually turn into a great player and a dominant player, a physical player. All right. So Oh nine, they win it against the magic. And then 2010 series comes. And Pau Gasol has this amazing game seven where I think he hauls down like 16 rebounds, I want to mm-hmm. say. I think I do remember that. I mean, let's not forget that this is against – this Pau's game is against Kevin Garnett. Like, exactly. that's the matchup. Right. That's the matchup. And in no universe am I taking Kevin Garnett over Pau Gasol <laughs> unless that Pau Gasol has been pushed by Kobe Bryant every day the last two years. And so, like – that's my my counter argument to those who say that Kobe wasn't a great leader. It's yeah. like you could say Kobe wasn't a great leader if he was just this this mean dude who bullied his teammates and they never won anything. Right. But they won. Exactly. He's a winner. Exactly. If he didn't have a ring for each finger on his hand, you could call him a bad leader. No doubt. So that's my no argument uh, yeah. in favor of Kobe. Yeah, and I definitely agree with that. Like and I'm glad you said it because one thing that I was going to say is, like you said, everybody leads differently. Yep. So if Kobe being a being a excuse my like a, a asshole was what mm-hmm. he had to do to lead his team to a championship, that's what had to be done. Yep. But some guys do it other ways. Like some guys just are more like more motivational. I would say. More like, hey man, let's do this. Let's like pick your head or we we hear that that type. Some guys are more like expressive or things like that. But regardless of what, there are so many types of leadership that can ultimately get the job done. Yep. And you know, you can't say anything to somebody about their leadership if they get the job done. And exactly. so that's why I just I can't knock a winner, a competitor, an ultra skilled guy who really emptied the tank what felt like every time on the court who demanded excellence out of his teammates and won five titles as the first or close second best player so it's like that's why kobe is a top six player of all time i don't want to argue it anymore with anybody else um uh let me just ask you a couple more things coach live so um this this question is for me Mm mm-hmm King of the court. Mm-hmm. The coaches are playing. So the coaches, we got Coach Kimbrough who stands about 5'9. Right. Coach Gibson standing at probably 5'11. Right. A generous, generous six foot, maybe. <laughs> right. And then Coach Liv standing at like 6'5. Completely right. different player. They're all three deep, completely different players. 100%. Coach Kimbrough is like a Steve Nash. Coach Gibby is, man, I mean, he wants to be Chris Paul so bad. <laughs> but his 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 attributes are not that right. Let's just be honest. He's a shooter. Okay, definitely he, a shooter. He's a shooter. He's not like a he's not the Chris Paul that he thinks he is. And then, Coach Liv, you're like a Demarcus Cousins, LeBron James, in the intramural leagues. In the, yeah, in the in, <laughs> in the intramural league for sure. Definitely like yeah. A, yeah. But you're a big body. You can shoot the three. You can bring him down in the post. All right. So I'm saying, king of the court. The coaches play. There's three coaches. We got a million dollars on the line. Who's winning? 
Oh boy, if you're putting those, ah, whoo! I will say for the record because I know he's probably gonna listen to this. Coach Kimbro has been dubbing in the sports. <laughs> So I, I'm not scared. I mean, I'm a man. I'm not scared to admit that he has been he's been making tough shots. So it's it's really been hard to to stop him at times. So he has been dubbing. But with a million dollars on the line, I definitely have to take myself. I like that. I like your confidence. Definitely have to take myself. And I appreciate you saying that Kimbro's been dubbing y'all. Yeah, he he has. He he's been He's been, he's been, I don't, yeah, he's been on another level these past couple of weeks that we've been playing. But the tables are about to turn. I will say that, and I, like I said, I know he will listen. So for yeah. Coach Gibbro and Coach Gibson, those tables will turn. Okay, very soon. I like that energy. All right, so this last question. This is the last thing I'm going to leave you with. This is from RC. Oh boy. Oh my. Yeah. God. Oh boy is right. All oh, right. He says. Gosh. And I quote, Coach Livingston, who do you think your NBA player comparison is, and why is it Kendrick Perkins? Oh, that's so disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> if if I had to compare myself to anybody in the NBA, I mean, I, okay, I gotta I gotta give you a little back. So my 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 basketball game like has definitely changed throughout the years. So high school. I was definitely like more slender. I was definitely I was about six three, maybe, probably about two fifteen coming out of high school. Mm-hmm. And I, I was I was labeled a shooter, so I was more like a like Paul Pierce, Carmelo Anthony type of guy. I like it. Say. Now, college was my really my first time ever playing the post. So when I got to college, I kind of like strayed from straddling the the three-point line to, like, no, dude, you're, like, at that time, I was probably, like, six. I had grew maybe about one or two inches, so maybe about six four, maybe about 240. So, so I definitely went down to the block, and it was more like a, I would say, like a Carl Anthony Towns type game. Okay. I would say. Is Kimbrough clamping that, though? Kimbro, Kimbro sits and wants. Kimbro is a hell of a defender. Probably one of the best defenders I've ever played against. I but in a five-on-five setting where I'm not going to just stay outside on the perimeter, I'm going to definitely go down low, he's not clamping anything. I hear you. I hear you. I can't wait till he hears this, though. Yeah, I mean, I think you would agree with that, hundred percent. No, I would. You're too much to handle. I'll be yeah. honest. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> well, uh, it was a pleasure having you on, Coach Liv. Oh no, man, it was a pleasure being here. I've I've been pumped about it for a minute. Like I said, I didn't didn't want you to do this during spring break, man. You guys had just came off a long season, so want you to spend some time with your your family and everything. But I'm I'm glad we got it done. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I, I really do appreciate you coming on. It was a fun episode. Um, yes, to those to the listeners, again, I'm going to be dropping every Sunday. So this will be coming out on uh, Sunday, March 20th. Um, we got Coach Trey Livingston on the pod. All right, yes, Coach. Sir.
Yes, sir. Peace out. All right, B.